Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Josh Lindsay from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with us is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey there, Josh Lindsay. Hello, Christian. You you sound good. You look good. You're not moving. You look like you're back home. <laughs> I am back home. This is our pit stop before we, we're going to change our cars, change our tires and our oil and hop back in the car and head to Ohio. But we're making a pit stop for a couple of days and Hunter and I are happy to be home. All right. And changing your tires, is that a figure of speech or are you actually changing your tires? Not on my new Mini. Nope. Uh, okay. I was, I was like, wow, <laughs> you just buy the car? <laughs> no. And laughing in the background is the guy we could not do this without, Jason Rugg. Hey there. Especially last week. (laughs) (laughs) Hey there, Jason. And then special guest with us again is businessman extraordinaire, newly graduated from college, son of Christian Taylor, back home in Wheaton, Hunter Taylor. Hello, everyone. (laughs) So happy to have I didn't you. Really live up to my uh, my introduction there, Hunter. Kind of. You know, I'm not. I've never been that guy. I'm not the. I'm the the downhill. I'm not the crescendo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I will make note of that. Right. We'll introduce you in the middle, not the end, next time. So you guys had a road trip together, and if you heard our last podcast, you caught some of that because uh, we lost them on the road. And it's been a very exciting time. You went to Boston, and I am on pins and needles to hear about it. So, Christian, update us on Boston. Yeah, so uh, I just want to apologize to everybody for dropping out last week. I had this brilliant idea that it would be super fun to record on the road. Uh, I should have pulled over, but I you know, didn't think that through. So, yet another thing I've learned how not to do. Um, we, Hunter and I drove the first day to Albany, spent the night in Albany with our friends, Doug and Coco, my best friend from college. And from the hotel room, we did a Q and a for the Boston film festival. So if you were able to watch the film festival screening in Boston online, you were then had the opportunity to watch a Q and a with Hunter and I and David Chapman filmed, um, over zoom from our hotel room in Albany. So that was super fun. Uh, Hunter got to tell the story of how he ended up in Normandy. And since we have him here, and a lot of people probably didn't hear that, Hunter, would you mind sharing that really quick? I can share that. Um, I, I would best describe it as how an epic failure can turn into something amazing. Um, so, Back in 2015, uh, I had participated in the Soldier of the Month, and typically, if you win Soldier of the Month, you go to your Soldier of the Year, and that was for my battalion. And the Army has this competition structure where you, you know, if you win, you continue going through the different levels of um, organizational hierarchy, such as battalion, brigade, division, and then the, you know, corps, and then you go to the Army. Well, the next level that I was supposed to go to, they had instituted a new competition aspect to it, which was combatives. And I have quite a bit of experience in many different styles of combatives, but I didn't have the certification from the army uh, for combatives. And so uh, the reason why was because our basic training class was didn't have enough time. We had to move through. Um, and so I never ended up getting that. Because anyway, so I was Afghanistan just 
you know, throw that out there. He didn't right. get it only because they deployed. Right. Um, so then uh, didn't have a certificate uh, certification and then they disqualified me. And so they came back to me and they said, unfortunately, you can't compete at this next level. Um, we're sending the guy that took second place who went on to do very well. Um, and then uh, they're like, we're going to give you a consolation prize. And they're like, we're going to send you to Normandy to represent the 101st Airborne during D-Day. And I was understandably frustrated. And so I called my mother, as all good soldiers should do. And I said, uh, I said, Mom, uh, terrible news. They're sending me to Normandy. I got disqualified. And then she just goes, we're going to Normandy? And I said, I don't, I don't think you're hearing me right. I said, they're sending me to Normandy. <laughs> he goes, we're going to Normandy? <laughs> At that point, I couldn't stop her. The, you know, the ship had sailed. And so, lo and behold, I arrive in Normandy with my unit. And then she finds me uh, randomly. And that's kind of the story of how the Girl of War Freedom started. Is because when she found me, we ran into Flo and Danny. And, uh, and the rest is history. It's so unbelievable because Hunter now is a big lover of Stoic philosophy. <laughs> and ironically, when he got that news, he was really furious. He was very angry. And I was the one that said to him, Hunter, usually when bad things happen, something really amazing is around the corner. God is faithful. He loves you. And just wait and see. This, this is going to end up being for your good. He didn't want to hear that at the time. But uh, it fits now with your philosophy, don't you think, Hunter? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe I love it because you started me down that path. Yeah. So I, I think that's a lovely little gem in our journey. Um, so we were able to do that Q&A from the hotel room. And then on the 24th, we headed from Albany to Boston, got to the theater and met Kurt, who is the director of the Showplace Icon Theater in Boston. He was all ready for us and he was amazing. He had uh, made sure that our film was loaded into the projector. It was running correctly. We went into the theater and set volume levels and I was just mesmerized by how beautiful it was to see the film on the big screen. It was just a very surreal moment for Hunter and I sitting in that theater by ourselves. Walking into the theater right outside the door, the electric sign, the electric poster had the Girl of the War Freedom on it. And so it just it felt real. It felt right. Also because the restaurant right, believe, right below the, um, the theater is the Paris Creperie. So it felt, it just felt right. And we, after we checked the Which, film. I have to ask, did, did you go there? We did. did go oh, to yes. the, okay. <laughs> How could we not? We, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> we absolutely, after we set everything up, we went to have a pregame meal, as Kurt called it. Uh, he said that we needed to make sure we had the Champs-Élysées cocktail, which we did. <laughs> and we met we met another veteran. Yes, and a guy waiting on us at at, uh, at our table. His name was Ray. Uh, he was a veteran, and so excited to hear about our film. So that was really neat. Well, and and I think the coolest thing too is that I think through my mother's experience with this film, she realized that what many veterans want uh, when they come home or when they come back into their community is to be able to tell their stories. This guy's a young veteran, you know, he's probably around my age, 
And, you know, we just got to sit there and we just got to listen to his stories and his experiences. And the cool thing is, is that he's also trying to give back as well. And he's trying to address the PTSD issues that soldiers returning are having. So, you know, we were able to connect there. It was a chance encounter, but it was, it was great. Yeah. So we set up our merchandise table and took some pictures and headed back to the hotel. The Boston Film Festival was incredibly gracious. Thank you, Robin Dawson, for arranging a lovely hotel in the Seaport um, area. It was the Seaport Hotel. And we got all dudded up and headed back to the theater. Thankfully, uh, we had people in the area. So Tim and Kelly Johnson are longtime friends that have lived in Wheaton, but they are donors to the film and they live now in the Boston area. So they joined us. And then there was a, a Facebook friend. I think I meant I was talking about this when uh, I dropped out last week, but there's a Facebook follower in France who lives on the border of Switzerland and France. And she has been following our film about a year. Her name is Christelle and she saw that we were giving away streaming passes and she wanted one and said, oh, I'm in Boston. I'm so excited for this. I can't wait to watch it. And I said, you're in Boston. You have to come be with us. So she came and she represented the French people at this uh, premiere. So I was just beyond delighted. She said she cried from the minute she saw me to the end of the film. It was very emotional for her. And it was just such a wonderful gift that I could give her. So that was the best part of that too was you could really tell the heart of the French people because when we when we were explaining that this film was focused on the French and what they've done for us as well, she didn't know what to do with that. She was so she she said, I think the movie should have been about the veterans. I think the movie should have been about America. I mean, and that just goes to show, you know, the humbling character and nature of the people of Normandy. Yeah, Bill and I would laugh after we did our screenings in France because all of the French people thought we should cut out the French half of the film. And they thought it should just be about the Americans. And all the Americans thought it should just be the first half of the film and that we should just talk about the French. It was fascinating, uh, the different psychology on each side. So, and then we had another sweet little thing happen. Um, Tim and Kelly Johnson were responsible for introducing us to Jen, uh, Jennifer. And Jennifer is a hospice worker and a pastor in the Boston area. And she happened to be working with a World War II veteran named Harold Giannette. And he was having a really tough time because he kept thinking about his brother, Lawrence. They were both soldiers. They both went into Normandy. And uh, Harold was going to meet up with his older brother, Lawrence, in St. Lowe. And the day before he got there, Lawrence was killed. And so for the rest of his life, that was very hard for Harold. And as he was getting older and more ill, he just was grieving over his brother Lawrence and his experience in Normandy. And Jennifer reached out to me and asked if I knew of a French person who could write Harold. And I said, oh, I'll do better than that. And I set up a Zoom call between Flo Plana and Harold. And we ended up having three different Zoom calls, the last of which was on his deathbed for his birthday. And it was a sweet, wonderful friendship that was developed between, you know, the Giannette family and me and Flo. And we celebrated Harold's life and Flo thanked him for his, his sacrifice and that of his brother. 
And after he passed, we've stayed in touch with the Gianette family who live in Boston. So they came to be with us also for the opening. So we had a sweet little group of eight people. Uh, there was no one else there. So thankfully, there were people there. Our hunter and I would have driven across the country just to watch this movie ourselves. I'm sure it's hard to get people in a theater during COVID. Robin Dawson gave a sweet introduction before our film and... We were off to the races. We had a lovely dinner afterwards. And while we were watching, a whole group of people were watching online, including you, Josh Lindsay. And so when it was over, I was getting text messages. How do I vote? So tell us what it was like on your end watching it from the streaming side of things, Josh. Well, you know, I've seen it before, of course, um, but I was just excited that uh, knowing that this was you know, physically in Boston happening at a real film f festival. You, you guys were there. Uh, so this, it just, it, it's really neat. The journey of going from this idea and, and traveling with Hunter to making the film to now sharing the film. And, and you probably have no idea right now who's been impacted by this film, you know, because people could have streamed this all over the world. And, and so I'm excited to hear about more stories that will come out of this. Uh, at, you know, and then you get a chance to vote on the audience award. Note to the Boston Film Festival, it was a little confusing. I had to reach out to Christian. Uh, I wanted to give it the highest rating, but I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> so uh, she found out uh, what I had to do. So I did that. And so that's my question is, when do you find out the audience award and other awards associated with the film festival? Yeah, I am curious about that as well. Uh, they had told us Monday, uh, the event, the online streaming event was put on by a company called Eventive. And Eventive was in charge of coming up with the score. It was very confusing. You were not the only person that did not know how to uh, give us a score. It showed from one to five. And people thought, should I give you a one for being the best in the festival or a five for five stars? And I had to ask the festival. So when it was great that you sent me that text right away and the festival said, indeed, it was five stars was the highest rating. So I was then able to tell our social media team that as well as just people that called or wrote or emailed or whatever. And so I, who knows? I do know we had a lot of people watching. I've gotten a lot of reports about that. And so we're still waiting to hear. Uh, there were nine films, so we'll be judged among those nine films, I think. And I think there are two awards, Best Feature Documentary and the Audience Award, of course, for, I don't know if it's for all of the films or just documentary, not sure. So we hope to hear about that any day now. And the other thing that was... Um, well, I was going to say, I yeah. was gonna say and we're hopeful that the distribution of voters who are confused about it is equal for all of the different films. So hopefully it balances <laughs> out. Yeah, we're hanging our hat on that hope. Um, <laughs> so we, one of the things that I would say about this film festival experience as I look back, it, it certainly COVID covered, colored everything. This would, you know, Robin Dawson told me she was felt so bad that this was not the way the festival usually is carried out. And I could just see how upsetting it was for her that she was not able to give us the full Boston Film Festival experience. But I really was very thankful for 
anything they did. They did work hard in a very tight timeline to figure out how to give an in-person screening as well as an online, you know, virtual experience. And I know that must have taken a heroic effort with a small team with not very much funding. And so, you know, I am incredibly grateful. But if you are thinking about applying to film festivals, just think about this. It's expensive to submit to film festivals to begin with. The rates can range everywhere from $4 all the way up to $150, I've seen them be. And usually they're in the $50 to $75 range. So over the course of time, you know, those begin to add up. Unless you have a partner like David Patterson who has been in festivals before and has given waiver alumni waivers, which have been really helpful to us. And... Then you have to, like I talked about the cost before, you have to contemplate how much the deliverables are going to cost. And like I said, just the files and the Blu-rays and the posters alone were over $1,500. Then there is the travel. And, you know, if the hotel or if the film festivals aren't as friendly as Boston, they may not be able to put you up. So it's an expensive endeavor just to participate in a festival after you have submitted so I was so glad that we did that. Um, retrospectively, is it a, was it a good financial decision? Time will tell. I do know that from that, we received a wonderful review. I was always really scared about the reviews, but we had a review from uh, a, a writer named David Ferguson from The Red Carpet Crash. You can find it on our social media. We, I think we posted it today. Uh, he made a statement, something to the effect of, I've never been this emotional watching a documentary. Wow. He, he really gave it, there was no criticism, and I was very surprised about that. I'm sure it's coming. Uh, but So we did have this wonderful uh, review. We also, the Boston Globe uh, also has an article out there mentioning that we opened the film festival. I would like to say one quick thing about this and a sh give a shout out to Acacia Consulting and Morgan Harris and his team. When we first saw the report about the festival, we saw the article it didn't list the girl who wore freedom at all. Uh, it listed that the film festival was opening with small town, Wisconsin at seven thirty, And so there was no mention of the girl who wore freedom. I don't know what happened there, but when I saw it, I mentioned it to Morgan and somehow Morgan worked his magic. And the next thing I know, the article is revised and it says that, the film opened with uh, Christian Taylor's The Girl Who Wore Freedom. So that is a really important reason to pay a publicist. Uh, throughout this whole <laughs> thing, I've been so thankful for them because not only, you know, they've been putting out press releases, like they just put out one today, a media alert that we are coming to Chagrin next week. And it lists when I'm going to be there and be available for interviews and who's going to be there with me and what the event's going to look like. And all those go out to all of the press people in their area. So they've been doing that behind the scenes, but then it's great to be able to pick up the phone and say, hey, this press thing is not correct. Can you figure this out? And he would be able to do that where I wouldn't. So that's been a good investment of my money. So, so that was the Boston experience. Um, 
Boston experience. All right. Well, I, well, think, I think that there was a revelation that you had in Boston. Oh, right. So after the film festival, because there really was nothing else, like we only screened one time. There was nothing else happening other than, you know, that one screening and then two other films screened after us. But it was just that one night. We spent time going around Boston. So we went on the, uh, we went on the Boston Tea Party replica boat experience. And when I was there, we learned a lot about the Sons of Liberty. We also went to Paul Revere's house, who was a son of Liberty. And as I'm listening to them talk about these Sons of Liberty and how important it was for them to free themselves from tyranny, it dawned on me that my film, which is all about liberty and freedom, premiered in the town where the Sons of Liberty were born. And I thought that was a really cool little kismet thing and it it made it really special that and being with hunter we were able to put so many things in perspective from the revolutionary war of freedom you know through world war ii and then through hunter's experience as an afghan veteran uh you know helping to keep safe these people you know in afghanistan so i think i think one of the craziest things is that you know especially now i mean you're you're your movie is about the good side of American values. You know, your movie highlights all of those wonderful values that America does hold dear. And I think it's interesting to see that love of liberty started out there in Boston where they took that first step and that, that spirit has carried on, you know, consistently. Yeah, it's what made started to make America a very different place. And now we're able to take that to other countries. And what's so wonderful is to have this relationship with the French who can continue continually show us how important liberty is. So that was kind of a cool uh, circle of events. So that that was our Boston experience. Welcome back. I'm glad you don't need real new tires on your mini. So that's good. Um, let's hear about uh, distribution. We talked about distribution. Any updates on that? Yeah, so we are getting closer and closer uh, to, uh, you know, to having that all wrapped up. We're super excited for where that is. I'm really thankful uh, to have Hunter working on that as well as David Patterson and my lawyer, John Scanlon. Hunter, I'm going to let you talk about this because you've been doing the bulk of the work on this section and move closer to your mic so we can hear you. Sure. Um, so as you're as you're going through the, the distribution contract phase, um, it's, it's very important, I would say, well, with anything that you put your signature to, that you actually read through it and understand what you're signing. Um, so the process has been that, you know, we were approached by, by a company um, and they sent us essentially, a, a, it was a rough copy of contracts that they've used in the past. Um, and it, was a, it, it didn't necessarily fit the exact type of distribution that they wanted to do, nor what we were looking for. Um, it was it was kind of a cut and paste uh, for many different types of distribution deals. Um, and so from a legal standpoint, I, I can't speak as much on that, but um, the attorney, John, said, we should probably look through this. We should probably tailor this language more towards uh, your, your media content, um, what your product is. Um, but then on top of that, I started looking through it. What were the business, business ramifications that could come from this? And so 
um, you know, as we as we were walking through this, you know, I got an understanding of what the the business deal was essentially, uh, where the risk and liability lie, where the you know the profit um, lay, and and how that was divided up. Um, and so going through that, you don't just have to take a contract that you're given um, for for any filmmakers who are out there. You don't just have to sign whatever somebody gives you, um, and don't ever look at it like. This is the best that I can get, so I just need to I just need to sign. Um, you can start to negotiate with them and talk through the language with them and talk through the structure. Um, and so, as we were doing this, you know, we're starting to to pay attention to what we're looking for, and we're starting to pay attention to what they would like to do. And and it's also very important, I think, when you're in communication with a potential distributor, is to try to figure out what they want to do with your with your content with your property. How do they want to roll it out? How do they want to market it? You know, what is their plan um, and, and getting that idea, not just about the background of the company, not just about their market share, not just about all of those things, but are they a big company that has multiple properties and you're just a small, small property that they're not going to pay much attention to? Or are they a smaller, smaller company that, uh, that may pay an exorbitant amount of attention to your, your property because they think that that'll help them in their business strategy. So try to make sure that your business interests align uh, and try to way way through all of that i think yeah that's that's where we're at in the process and i think that we're actually doing pretty well yeah and i have learned that it is really important to have someone on your team that's very focused on the business aspect of it so we are going to start looking for a business um a business intern because after Hunter goes, I really feel like I need to continue looking at all of these things from the biz business standpoint. And I think if you're a first-time filmmaker, like I've told you before, look to partner with someone like David Patterson, who is an experienced filmmaker, producer, but also have a good business person on your team, as well as a lawyer. A lot of people think about the lawyer, they don't think so much about the business operations. And uh, I would highly recommend that because Hunter had to draw a Venn diagram basically twice for me of how all the costs and profits flow and work. What did you, what did you call that, Hunter? A flow chart. Yeah, it was a flow chart of like where all the... <laughs> it's a flow diagram. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. For, for all those people out there, there's this new thing on the market. It's a crazy idea. It's called a flow chart. Really useful. You can check it out. <laughs> Write that down, everyone. Yeah. So it just kind of showed me the flow of where money would go, but it's very confusing. You're talking about reserves and you're talking about royalties and you're talking about market share. Okay. And it's nuts. So I had to, I'm going to post that up so I can remember how it all works. But so anyway, we're encouraged about that. And then uh, we also had a meeting on the way home with a sales agent that reached out to us. And that was very interesting. Sales um, representative. Well, is it a sales representative? Was he a sales agent? Hard to or say. Was he, or was he a consultant? Or was he a consultant? He was kind of all those things. And it was very confusing. That was one problem that I had. The other thing that uh, I didn't really like in the beginning was I kind of had to run the meeting. So when we met with uh, distributors that were interested in representing us, they came to the table, they were organized, they knew their stuff, they, they ran the meeting and kind of drove the conversation. You know, of course, we had questions and things like that. But in this instance, I felt like 
you know, the guy called me and was waiting around for me to drive the subjects, you know, um, it was weird. And you could tell that he was really interested in North American rights, not really interested or connected for international rights, which is super important for us. And there's, he was also going to charge us a fee of $5,000 to upfront to represent us. And so I wasn't so interested in that simply because I don't even, you know, I don't have the $5,000, obviously. Well, but, again, just in case there's any seller representatives out there, I just want to say that, that we're not saying no to that potential distribution. We just want to make sure that it makes sense that, from a business perspective. Yeah, for sure. I mean, would I talk to sales agents? Yes. I think there are, I would love to find a fantastic sales agent. There are different structure, pricing structures uh, with sales agents, and it would have to be the right one for us. And we really need them to have international connections because we feel like there's a lot of market share there. So that was interesting. Now we're kind of over at square one with uh, looking for a sales rep. So there's that. I'm sorry, I missed, I, I, was, I, was, I was unclear. Did he reach out to you on his own or did you contact him? He reached out to us. Because a film festival had recommended us to him. Yes. Ah, okay. The referral came I'm from I wondering us. how the connection, okay. Yeah, the referral came from a film festival. Okay. And it's a reputable sales agent in LA. So it's not but, like you're... And also, you know, for any potential filmmakers out there, um, again, just understand the dynamic of, of how you're negotiating, you know, th th that type of partnership or, or relationship with a sales agent. Remember, you are, you know, your product is the product. They're trying to get your business. So, you know, what my mom is saying is that she wasn't comfortable because of how the meeting went because he wasn't trying to sell himself. He wasn't leading that discussion. He wasn't coming through and trying to convince. He almost, he almost was arguing from the position of prove yourself to me, you know, why I should take you up. That's not, that's not a position you want to be in from a negotiation standpoint. If you're the product, you don't want to have to convince somebody, you know, to do that. He's trying to get your services. He's trying to get your product so that he can make money and sell it. So just pay attention to, to who's trying to approach you and what, whether they're interested. It's good advice. All right. Speaking of film festivals, um, as we round the bend here, um, what is coming up next? We had uh, the Ladies Film Festival. Yeah, right? Lady Filmmakers is going on right now through October 4th. Once this um, podcast airs, that will be behind us, but we've really been enjoying that. There is a wonderful Q&A there, which may eventually be on YouTube, I hope. And we've uh, you know, a lot of people have been seeing it through the Lady Filmmakers Festival. So that's cool. We leave on Tuesday. So you'll be hearing this on Friday, next Friday. We, uh, we, by that time, we will already be in Chagrin. And this, uh, we, you're hearing this on Friday, October 9th. We uh, screen on Saturday, October 10th in Chagrin Falls. Our film and this festival can be viewed by people in Ohio, but only in Ohio. Uh, otherwise, you got to come to the drive-in. Don't know if there are any other tickets left, but if you live in Ohio or somewhere nearby and you want to drive, come see us. 
Uh, we're, we're super excited about this because we have four World War II veterans that are going to be uh, honored guests, as well as the French General Counsel, Guillaume Lacroix. Hunter will be there. David Chapman will be there. And uh, Bill Ebel will be there. We have a, a lot of uh, Julie Danis, Rick Arbazani, a lot of people from our team. It's going to be a big celebration. We're going to be selling merchandise from Riverside Park in Chagrin Falls and uh, giving out, you know, cards and just talking to people about our film generally. So we're super excited about that. And then the week after that, we're going to be in the La Femme Film Festival, which is in LA. But the great thing about this, you guys, is that we're going to be able to do a live screening through a brand new technology. We will invite our people to a film party. And people can come to this film party. They can watch the film live. They can chat with us during the film via chat. And then afterwards, we will have a live Q&A. It's really fascinating. We're going to do, um, do a seminar about how to run the whole thing today. So I'm excited about that. And then after that, Hunter and I are flying to Utah for the Red Rock Film Festival. And our film is screening on November 6th there. And we are just super excited about that as well. So lots of really fun stuff coming up. We're just trying to take things one day at a time, but it's looking great. Absolutely. That's awesome. Oh, very exciting. Yeah. Okay, Christian, before we wrap up, uh, we've, we've covered Boston distribution, sales agent slash rep slash consultant. Who is this guy? And upcoming film festivals, Chagrin and so forth. Anything else we need to say? Do you, do you probably need to raise support, I imagine. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, we really need help right now. We're, you know, we had a, a funding push a couple of weeks ago and that uh, covered us for about a month or two, but the Boston Film Festival has depleted our resources. So if you're listening to this and you're able to support us, please go to, Normand, uh, go to thegirlwhowarefreedom.com slash donate. Um, anything that you can do helps. Uh, but we are short at this moment, about $5,000 for the next month. So we would really appreciate anything that you could do. We are also looking for a business management intern. And we are looking for two social media interns. So if you are interested or you know someone is, um, please email me at christian at normandystories.com. And um, yeah, go buy our store, buy something because... This week, there's a 10% discount, and next week, for uh, there is a 15% discount. This week, the discount code is FESTIVAL. Next week, the discount code is CHAGRIN. So, now is the time to buy our merch. And for all of you with friends and families who might be in the military, we're contemplating a new line specifically for active service members, and we're looking to potentially roll that out soon. Including Ranger panties. <laughs> What? That's a whole other discussion. I mean, I need some of those. <laughs> well, I think that's a good note to end on. I want to say to our listeners, thanks for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it. Yes, you can. Bye, everybody. 
Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we would really appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about The Girl Who Wore Freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email. And sign up for our newsletter at thegirlwhowarefreedom.com. Please go to thegirlwhowarefreedom.com slash donate to make a donation today.